God was showing me early in the week because I thought I had it wrong and, um, and you know, I woke up this morning and I knew that God was speaking to me, get in the car, drive in and we're praying and I, I just know that I'm supposed to go back to where I dropped the axe, as it were. And then to have Tony just go boom was really, really good. And um, I just want to unpack a little bit about the keys of the kingdom. Um, in Matthew 16, well, just quickly read a couple of scriptures and then I want to uh, just unpack some things. So let's pick it up in verse 13. Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples and he's <clears throat> it, it comes on down into verse 16 or 15 and uh, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter was really quick to answer and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And then in verse 9 he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then in the very next conversation, we come down from verse 21, 22 to 23. And um, well, first of all, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside in verse 22, and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. One of the keys to stepping into kingdom is to actually be mindful of the things of God and not the things of man. And so I want to talk to you um, this morning about the fact of this next piece of Scripture in verse 24 when Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I don't know what your understanding around that scripture, take up your cross, is all about. But I want to uh, just read you uh, some notes as I drill down into this because I found it quite interesting. In that verse where it says Jesus, take, um, Jesus invites us to take up the cross, he says, Jesus explains the paradox of discipleship. Now, have you got your ears on? It's to lose life or to lose life is to find it. To die is to live. Let's do that again. So Jesus is trying to unpack what he's saying, and he's saying 
the very foundation of discipleship, you could also say the very foundation of kingdom is to lose your life for another. The very foundation of the kingdom is to lay down your life for another. See, Jesus laid down his life for you and I. So you see it just playing out here. So in his explanation, to take up the cross does not mean to endure some irritating burden. It is to deny oneself. It is not to assume some false external ascension to something or I can't pronounce that word. It is uh, A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M, ascentism or something like that. It's, but to put the interests of the kingdom first and foremost in one's life. That's what it means. When we seek the kingdom of God first, it's actually to put foremost the kingdom of God instead of my own comfort zone could be another way of putting that. To take up the cross does not mean that we endure some irritating burden. What happens when you do things out of duty because by rote you saw it in the word and so you just decide to do it? So the word and the spirit have got to work together. And I like what one of the statements that Tony said earlier today was, we meet so many Christians that are word rich and heart poor. Okay? I want to tell you that I have tried both extremes. When I was first converted, I uh, had a lot to do with the Navigators, real great organisation. And, um, you know, one of their strengths was scripture memory. And um, the Word of God is such a powerful thing. You know, don't just look for the Rema. You know, the Rema, that quickened Word of God is exciting. You know, it's sort of like... Um, adrenaline kind of junkies. We love that sort of stuff, don't we? We love it when the Holy Spirit gets moving and we're carried out of church in a wheelchair or something, you know. In fact, I was reminded about that just the other day when we were out for dinner and somebody said, remember the days, Graham, when you got carried in out of the prayer meeting to the service and we carried you out? And, um, and then some bright spark, whom I did't like for a few hours, said, um, what's changed? What's different today, Graham, than back there? And so one of the things that causes us to lose the first love, which Kim was talking about last week, is that we do not use the keys of the kingdom that we've been given because we get a little lazy or we, get, we, we just get busy in life maybe or we, we just forget to do the foundational things that cause us to walk in kingdom. You know, this last week for me, it's like God has been a million miles away. Now, I know in my heart that he's not a million miles away. It's been like the heavens of brass and I'm not hearing you. Here I am spending hours 
in preparation for the weekend because I just love to, I believe that anointing falls on preparation. And so, you know, we have a mindset of what preparation looks like. Well, the Lord turned that bucket upside down. In fact, he came along and kicked it and smashed it to bits. And I'm left with not having ever experienced this sort of thing before when the heavens are so like brass and he doesn't feel like he's around. But I know from my past experience, because of his faithfulness, he is always there. Because, you see, what's happening is that now I am embracing a kingdom principle that God is faithful, choosing to have that as the primary over the way I feel. And Tony talked about that this morning. You know, the primary thing in kingdom is love. You know, we don't pick up our stones and stone our rebellious kids because love is a higher thing. You know, God is forever merciful. He's long-suffering. I mean, he is so long-suffering. To put up with me for nearly 70 years, he's got to be long-suffering. Amazing, you know? Absolutely amazing. I mean... You know, some of my friendships, you know, I've known Tony for 20, 25 years. I mean, putting up with him, no. <laughs> but, you know, there are times in relationships when relationships are tested. There's times in your relationship with Christ where your relationship is tested. And we should learn to rejoice in those things. So coming back to the scripture, I, as a good, young, zealous Christian, started to memorize scripture. At one point, I knew 1,500 verses, I'd, and I was learning more every over a week or two weeks, but I was reviewing. It took me two week, just over two weeks to review the 1,500 that I knew, 100 every day, and learning more. And it became a source of pride. Young Christian, you know, and, you know, very strong in the word, navigators and, and um, great stuff. But not a lot of heart for me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be strong in the word because you should be, but you've got to have both the word and the heart. And so I had an answer for every problem you ever faced because I could pull a scripture out. And I was so zealous about it that I would stand on the door of the church, supposed to be welcoming people in, and the first question is, is I'm checking to see if they've been born again according to the scriptures that I memorized. Can you imagine what that would have felt real welcoming, eh? It was really interesting because the following week, the second week that I did it, the ones that came through that door were coming through the other door. So I just, the third week, swapped doors. I was just so jealous about being so right and making sure that you were saved. I've, you know, and, and, you know, zealousness is a good trait, but when it's not under the lordship of Christ, it's not a good trait. When it's not kingdom-minded, it's not a good trait. Paul knew the letter of the law, and he went around and he killed off the new Christians, for goodness sake. He was zealous for God and thought he was doing God's stuff. And so there's this battle that goes on between the flesh, which is the soul realm, mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit. And we don't get it right all the time. I've come to learn that just because I think God is telling me something doesn't mean to say it's God. 
It's true. I can remember one time going to minister in the, uh, in, in the rock it was, in, um, down in the hut, you know, that church up on the hill. And um, we were coming uh, from Danny Burke to do this ministry thing for the weekend. And we're driving down the hill. And you know where the Newlands turn off is? I was absolutely certain that we'd missed the turn off to the church. And Lynn said, no, no. It's not, it's the next one. I said, no, no, I, God showed me. And I was convinced that God showed me that it was that road that I should go down because that's the road to the church. I get down to the bottom and I look up and there's the name of the rock on the building. See, you've got to cut yourself some slack and stop taking yourself so seriously because you don't always get it right. Just because you see something in the spirit, it's mixed with flesh and spirit. I would like to tell you that it is pure spirit all the time, and it's not. Now, occasionally you'll hit the nail on the head, and it'll be more spirit than flesh. But we minister in part. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that you don't give up when things don't seem to go right. You don't give up when you don't get an answer to prayer. I was thinking about those uh, prayer requests we had up on the wall. Have, have you still got them somewhere? No? Oh, well, that's good, because I was going to just use that as an example, and I th thought they were still up there, you see, and I got it wrong. You know, I thought, you see what I mean? It's just, we've just got to relax and have some fun and stop being so letter of the lawish about things. One of the reasons why I have a love-hate relationship with the prophetic is because it does so much good, can do so much damage, and sometimes it gets ugly. And it's not that it's God's fault that it gets like that. It's my fault and flow and my interpretation. If I get so dogmatic that I should be prophesying in a meeting because God's telling me to prophesy and the pastor's going, I mean, I've had this experience, going, nah, you just cut across the spirit, and people get offended when the pastor's trying to encourage them to learn how to flow in the Holy Ghost. That's the flesh rising up, you know? And I use the prophetic for a, uh, an example because I'm prophetic myself and I've had so many times put my foot in the mouth, especially as a young Christian. And so, you know, we've got to understand that. And, you know, I believe that if we take responsible for judging ourselves, the judgment that comes when we stand before God is a little less because I think it's the Holy Spirit that causes us to be actually open and honest about what is flowing out of our hearts. So I'm not looking for correction for you that's sitting next to me in the pew. When I hear the sermon and I hear the word of God, I'm always going, I'm the subject here because I'm sitting under this word. And so what does it mean for us to walk in the Spirit, to embrace, to begin to walk in kingdom? It's not fruit loopy. It's, it's really, really simple. It's just choosing as a priority the kingdom principles over what you feel. Like this week, it has been hard, you know. I've, I... Um, it's been good, don't get me wrong, so please don't feel sorry for me. It's been a great week, but it's been a hard week. You have times like that. And, and, but what I did, because I know my God is faithful, which is a kingdom principle, was I kept walking. I didn't stop praying. I didn't stop reading the Word. 
I didn't stop hanging out with Jesus. I didn't stop trusting him, although I came close to it by about, that sounds bad, but it's not really bad. I just, you know, I, Friday night I, I, I was walking away from what I believe God wanted to share, not out of rebellion, but I just wanted, I wasn't, I didn't think I was hearing right. I nearly stayed up all night on Saturday, last night, just to get a word. Now, one of the things that God has taught me through my many years, he doesn't want me to do that because if I'm in relationship with him, I can hear him when he gives me a picture, he gives me a sense of direction. What is important that I am in the word as a lifestyle. What is important is that I'm in my prayer closet as a lifestyle. What's important, see, that's kingdom. That's the key to the kingdom is consistency and the basics will cause you to walk in the kingdom. It's really, really that simple. And so instead of being discouraged when our prayers are unanswered, it is more important that we keep praying. But you have to make a choice. You see, walking in the Spirit is all about choice. You choose to embrace what kingdom says, what the word says over and above what you feel. Well, I've been praying for this for 20 years and I still haven't got an answer. That's soul. It might be reality, but if you let that drive you, it'll rob you of kingdom. It'll rob you to the point, it's like leaven in a bread. You know, leaven makes bread rise up, doesn't it? If you let that be your driving force in you, that doubt, what's the use of praying? You know, I've been praying for that and I just give, give up. You just get disheartened. But our hope is in Christ who is faithful and he hears us when we pray. Now, there are some times when I have no intellectual understanding of why. I don't even go there. I have learned that my heavenly Father is faithful, kingdom principle. He is the rock-solid ground on which I stand. So doing the basics. You know, when I started to think about keys to the kingdom, what do keys do? Yeah, unlock things, don't they? What did Jesus do when he stood up in the temple to start his ministry? He said, I've come to unlock the prison doors, to set the captives free, to cause the blind to see. We might not be in physical prisons, but do you know that unforgiveness is a prison? Doubt is a prison? Fear is a prison? Lack of confidence is a prison? Starting to go, God, you know, why aren't you answering my prayer? I've been praying. I, re I remember a time when we had a Christmas from hell and we were all the family was gathering and, um, you know, we've, we've got uh, one girl in particular that um, through a lot of different circumstances is, is not walking with the Lord and um, had some bad experiences, won't go into that. But she also had a problem at that point with drinking too much if she got on the plonk and went to parties, you see. So we arrive up there and we're having 
this Christmas at the elder um, daughter's place, and already it's one o'clock in the morning and the beer's out and that because some of their husbands are dairy farmers, they like to drink. Not all dairy farmers like to drink, but, you know, just quickly, that was the environment. And my heart sunk because I knew that this, we'll call this daughter that I'm talking about Mary, it's not a real name. I knew that Mary would be right into it and then by the time four o'clock, five o'clock around, she'd be half cut and I just knew how that stuff went. And anyway, sure enough, it started to pop out. And we had uh, our mum and dads there. And, you know, it was a big family gathering. And some are Christians, some are not. It's an always interesting dynamics. And anyway, my brother-in-law was sitting next to me. And we were sitting in the lounge. And next minute, you know, there's some arguments going on outside. And my eldest daughter comes in and says, Dad, you've got to fix this. Always when there's trouble, Dad's got to fix it, you know. And I looked at her and I said, honey, um, just give me a moment. I just want to hang out and pray in the midst of the business. And she looked at me sideways and she knew what I meant and she, off she goes. Next minute, Mary comes in. And what had happened was that some mates of hers back in Dannyburg had rung her up to say they were having a party and she wanted to go back. But the trouble is she couldn't drive. It was a three-hour drive back from where we were. This is a classic example of what Kingdom does. And, and so, you know, my son was not going to let her sister or his sister drive and get a ticket and be done for drunken driving. And he even threatened to slip the tire so she couldn't drive, you know. And so there's this thing going on. And then my helpful mother-in-law started to chip in, and she wasn't that helpful, and that didn't help things either. And, and you know, and so all of this is going on, and I'm going, as I'm sitting next to my brother-in-law, who's just had a bad experience with the church that he was pastoring and grizzling to me about his daughters not respecting him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the last thing I wanted to hear. I kind of wanted to haul off and give him the five-fold ministry at that point, you know, because he ought to have known better. There was a reason why his daughters weren't respecting him, but I wasn't going to go there as much as I wanted to. And anyway, Mary came in, and she was in the lounge getting ready to go because she was going to go, and I think, Nathan was probably out looking for a knife to cut a tire so she couldn't go. And I said, so I said, hey, how would it be if mum drove you home and took you back? And she turned around in that moment and she said, would you do that for me? She was blown away by the fact that we would do something like that. See, I could think of all the reasons why I was justified to go in and sort it out from an earthly perspective rather than a kingdom perspective. But because I was willing to wait and not be so zealous and so uh, like the scripture memory stuff, I've got the answer and this is what you know. God was able to minister in that situation. I remember going out the door and um, I was behind Lynn. She went off with Mary in the car and started driving, and I, I was going to catch up with him. It was a wet night. And, and I was feeling pretty grumpy at the Lord, you know, because I'd prayed for nearly 15 years at that point for God to do something. My father-in-law had prayed for the family for years before then. So I, at that point, was feeling pretty sorry for myself. 
And I walked past the door, and my son, he, I mean, none of our kids deny God. You know, as soon as there's trouble, it's always, will you pray, please? Because they've seen incredible answers when we've prayed with their friends, you know. Babies that were about to be aborted didn't get aborted and ended up full term. That, you know, that sort of crazy stuff. And they're the first to defend God when somebody starts to say that God isn't real. I, you, you know, how does that work? And, and so I walk out and here's my son preaching to my brother-in-law's two daughters about no sex before marriage, no drugs before marriage, and you shouldn't touch alcohol. And I looked at him and he turned to me and he said, don't you look at me like that, Dad. He says, I know that look. And I didn't really understand what I was doing. And, you know, and it sort of shocked me. And, and um, he said, I always preach best when I'm half cut. And I'm going, I beg your pardon? You can't do that. You can't even say that. God will just shoot you down in a ball of flame. You know? And, and it doesn't make it right what was happening. But you see, life is like that. We have to negotiate all this noise around us. And look at the noise that's around us now with this. I'm not even going to mention the word. It's not worth a mention. You find that place of peace because that's a kingdom principle. You want to walk in kingdom. I want to walk in kingdom. I, I think, Tony, you mentioned it again this morning in that prayer. I want to be the best representative of God that I can be. I do. I want to be the brightest light bulb on the planet. I want to be the saltiest person that's in the kingdom. But it doesn't come out about by overzealousness from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. Because if you do it from the outside, I'm telling you, when the pressure comes, the wheels are going to fall off. And you know what? The relationships that you want to have and get close to, you end up pushing people away. And then you blame everybody else and you blame the church. But it's not the church's fault. It's because we're not allowing God to circumcise my heart. That's what happens. And that's what this thing is about. You know, you can, you can be so overzealous that people get turned off. You know, but I tell you what, I'm real zealous when the Holy Spirit is motivating it. You know, I love giving up a shout, but I'm, I'm not noisy just to try to whip it up. You know, some of, I remember some of the moments and, and the shouts that we've had. And they just go on and on and on. They're not motivated by emotion. There's something that the Holy Spirit is doing in that meeting and God's come in and people are encountering him. It's, it's incredible. And we've got to learn to walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh because when we walk in the flesh out of our soul and we try to do our faith and our, our spiritual uh, walk with God and walk out our faith out of the soul, it gets us into trouble. You know, you say things out of that place that you shouldn't say. And when you're a leader of great influence... And leaders begin, and we've seen that. Without mentioning any names, there's been some stupid things that have been said over this blooming thing that's not worth a mention. I'm going to be dead in two and a half years because I took the vaccine. I can't wait for the two and a half years to be up. 
because I'm calling that guy to account because he is an influencer in this nation. He's pretending to operate as a prophet. I'll give him profit because I know I won't be dead in two and a half. Now, I am not pro- I'm not saying you should get vaxxed. Don't go out of here saying that. I'm happy if you're not. Okay? I just got it because I thought I was doing the right thing. Whether I did or not, I wouldn't have a clue. But, you know, God will look after me because I stepped out in faith. And faith, my faith step out doesn't always look like the same as yours. Why? Because we're, we're learning to journey in this thing between flesh and spirit. And for us to get in and to embrace kingdom so that kingdom is our culture. Because that's what it's about. Jesus wants us to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And so the minute we get saved, the minute we give our lives to Jesus, we actually step out of one world into another. And so I want to be more like Jesus. I know it's probably a big ask, but it's not impossible for God. But see, it's all about the heart. It's not about the head. It's all about relationship. It's not about knowing about God. It's about knowing him. And there is no amount of things that I can do in my own efforts, in my own strength, in my own understanding that really helps a lot in me knowing him heart to heart because it gets in the way. It's not wrong. We need to, I need to understand some stuff, you know, and, and I'm not saying chuck away your intellect, chuck away your soul, but don't walk your faith out of your soul. Learn to walk by the Spirit. Why? Romans, turn with me to Romans 8. Jesus said an interesting thing. The way that I weigh things up for me, if you like, discern what spirit is operating or you could say judgment because you've got to be careful in the judgments that you make about things. God will use that same measuring stick for us, for me, for you. And, and so it's a, for me, I'm looking for the fruit. Jesus said, you know something by fruit. And so I know something. You know, somebody overzealously cuts, continuously cuts across the spirit, for example, in a meeting, I know it because it's the fruit. If I have a relationship with them and if I feel, or her, if I feel like I need to go and talk with them, part of kingdom is also learning to speak the truth in love. It's not beating people up. You know, that, that, that one act of taking Mary back three hours drive and then another three hours from where she lived to Wellington, six hours on the road that night. We didn't get home till the early hours of the morning. But, you know, on the way home, after we dropped her off and I got in the car, I looked at Lynn and I said, how's your Christmas been? And she says, oh, it's been a Christmas from hell. I said, yeah, you got that right. But then she began to tell me about how Mary was talking to her. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when people don't know Jesus and they get half cut, they start to open up. And she opened up and she spoke of five situations where she knows that she's only alive because mum and dad are praying. That was worth 
the hellish day to hear that. And I know that even while she's not, she, she hasn't denied God, she sticks up for him. But there's a day coming when she will come back, the prodigal will come home. And I'm not going to give up. See, kingdom never, ever gives up. I'm, am I trying to get her saved by my own efforts? No. No, I'm not. I am trying to walk as a good ambassador of Christ. I'm trying to walk so that she can see Jesus in me. I don't always get it right. But kingdom, when you don't get it right, is quick to apologize, quick to say, hey, I messed that up, sorry. I put my phone in my mouth, sorry. I mean, because we all do. We all, the wheels fall off. It's pretty, pretty common. And it's the heart attitude. And it's as simple as this in Romans 8. I, I, I just love, it's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. But there's a couple of things I want to point out. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Real interesting scriptures. So, you know, as it was a struggle for me this week, in, a, in the sense that it was a test of faith for me, not that I would deny God or anything, but because I couldn't hear him, I couldn't feel him, but I relied on what kingdom said. Because I look back and I go, my God is so faithful. And you can all say, my God is so faithful because you've all had experience, because you've all got a relationship with Jesus Christ. So kingdom is not impossible to step into and to live out of. But it has to be spiritually driven. It's the Holy Spirit that actually changes our hearts. I, can't, I, I can look good on the outside, but when I get under pressure, if, if it's an outward thing and my self-discipline, the, the wheels will fall off it because it's always an issue of the heart. It's always an issue of the heart. How do I know that? Because I know that as a young Christian, I should give up swearing, but my dogs didn't know any other language when I was still mustering, you see. And I knew that I should give up swearing. And I tried, because I knew, I knew, I read it in the Word, you know. But every time one of my young hunterways would bolt, it all fell off. It went to pieces. And one day I was up in the heights, and the neighbours were down on their farm. I was near the boundary fence, pushing lambs across the creek. And next minute I just explode, because old dude just ended up mustering three other paddocks when I only wanted them to muster one. And I was trying to... He was too far away for my shaking dogs to get a hold of him. And so I had to chase after him, and the language was flying. This couple that was trying to get uh, lambs across the creek, we were trying to minister to them. <laughs> We'd had them in our homes for a meal, you know, and we were doing the good navigative thing and evangelizing, and, and, and then Lynn's in town. And she meets this guy's wife and says, oh, it was so good to hear Graham having trouble the other day when we were crossing. <laughs> My witness kind of lost a little bit of its impact, you know. 
But the grace of God was sufficient for me. I use that as the example of when you try to do it by your self-discipline and you try to do it by rote, like I like, I like to call it by rote, and you come in and, and, and you know, a lot of people want to look good in people's eyes because their self-worth is based on how people perceive them. And at the bottom of that is low self-esteem usually because it comes out of the inability to relate to a heavenly father that is so loving. See, I used to run away when I thought I'd done something wrong. Like in that situation, I probably didn't go to church for six to eight weeks because everybody would have heard it because the town we lived in was a small town. You know, why would God be interested in me? I just stuffed up again. But that mindset is not a kingdom mindset. It's a mindset of the enemy. It's a mindset of the flesh. You see, I started to think that way because in that moment, I was starting to look and review that situation from the realm of the soul, not the realm of the spirit, which is the foundational key that unlocks the kingdom of God. See, I dream of you and me being so full of Jesus that you don't even have to tell anybody. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't take the opportunities when you get them. But do you know something? I love it when you walk into a shop and you guys must have had this happen at times and they go, somebody says to you, what is it about you? You must have had that. I love it. I want to learn to live out of it. Because it opens up doors that are so powerful and so unreligious to minister the love of God, and it's love and kindness that lead to repentance. Makes sense? So I want to encourage you today, do not give up. Have the courage to admit the weaknesses that you have. What I call the screw-ups. Be honest about it. And say, God, you know, my, one of my favorite prayers, well, there's a couple, but one in particular is, Lord, let me see my world through your eyes. Because that's what he did when he sent Jesus to die. He saw the potential of the kingdom. You know, when, when you look through kingdom filters, you're looking through God's eyes. And it's much harder for me to do and try to be a good Christian and a good representative of Jesus by my efforts, by my works. I've learned to surrender to the Lord and go, God, I'm guilty as charged, but I thank you that you will create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. It's the Holy Spirit working in you that changes your heart and my heart. Just think of a company of people like this so full of the presence. See, the presence is just, it's just not presence. There's, you know, in the old model of the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, that's where God lived. Do you know where God lives now, don't you? Doesn't he live in you? <laughs> just imagine if he lived in us so full of the expression of kingdom coming out of our lives, what that would do in this community. It comes with right relationship. And right relationship is not about keeping a set of rules. 
It's not about keeping the law. It's about learning to love as the Father loved. And I need help to do that because if I try to do it outwardly and put on a good show for everybody but in the secret place where nobody sees me, I'm a mess in that area, it ain't going to work. I'm not going to get higher, what I call higher up the mountain. I want to be up the mountain where Moses is and I want to be a friend of God. I want to see God face to face. In fact, I ask the Lord regularly to teach me how to commune and relate with him the way Enoch walked with him. I am not asking for an Enoch experience because I believe that if I ask for that, it has an agenda behind it. I just want to know God. Because when a people know their God and kingdom is so strong in them that it is oozing out of them, not by what they say they are, but by the way they live and, the, and what they do, people want to come and see. And I'm looking again for the day when we have strangers turning up at the door because the king lives in here. And when we corporately come together, the king lives in Amen? Let's stand. I'd like us to just take a moment. Just let's close our eyes and just reflect for a moment on what we've heard. And, and my prayer is that anything that wasn't of the Lord, I just want him to remove it from you. But that which was him, I'm asking that it would take root in you today and that it would grow into trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. I just know, and you can take this as a prophetic word if you like, that if you and I as part of this community and as part of this church, continue to walk the way we are walking, kingdom is going to grow in you. Kingdom is going to grow in us. I am looking for another suddenly. I make no apology for that, but I am not trying to make it happen. I know that as I position myself and to position us or you to position me is to let go of law and legalism, to let go of flesh and learn to walk in the Spirit. And the best way I know to do that is to say, Holy Spirit, will you teach me? Because Jesus ascended to heaven and he says, hey, I'm sending somebody back so you won't be alone. The Holy Spirit is the act of God, part of the Godhead in this age right now on earth. Jesus is active too. But the Holy Spirit, you know, ask him to help because the, it says, you know, young Timothy, Paul was exhorting young Timothy, you've got the Holy Spirit, bro, and he's the best teacher that you could have, and he will teach you in the ways of God. He'll direct you, and he'll correct you, and he'll guide you, and he'll lead you. And it's as simple as asking the Holy Spirit, whatever it takes, whatever is needed for you to change my heart, I want you to do it. I yield my will to yours. And that prayer that we've been praying, Lord, I want you to be king in my life. I don't want to be the king. I don't want to be driven by self. 
I want to learn what it is, Lord, to take up my cross daily and follow you. And the cross speaks of us laying our will down for his. It's the same deal as Jesus in Gethsemane when he said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. The meaning of Gethsemane, if you don't know it, is actually wine press. Grapes are squashed and pressured and the wine flows. And when we're tested and we're tried and we wrestle between flesh and spirit and we choose the spirit, that's like we've been in a wine press and kingdom flows. Why don't you lead us, Tony, in that prayer about the king? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's... Uh Just giving our life to the King again. And uh, let me just lead you in this. Let's all pray it together. Dear Jesus, today I choose you to be King of my life. No longer me as King. Today I want to live for you and your kingdom. I turn from King self and repent. I want to be baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. I choose today to love and live as you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, here we are. Help us to not think as man thinks, but help us to think as you think, that we would align our thoughts with your thoughts, your ways with our ways, Lord, that we would decrease and you would increase, and that you would rule and reign in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just place your hand over your head now. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father change, my thoughts change my thoughts to be your thoughts. To be your thoughts. Help, me to think your thoughts. Help me to think your thoughts. Help me to win the battle, Help me win the battle between, your thoughts and mine. between your thoughts and mine. That you would have your way. That you would have your, way. your thoughts would dominate. Amen. Your thoughts would be in full control. Now, Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing here in this place. I pray, Lord, for those, for every one of us, Lord, at times our thoughts get in the way. And, Father, we want to say no to that, but say yes to you. Let us not think as man thinks, but think as you think. We thank you for the word that's been received today. Father, help us to walk it out in the spirit of love in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great word. Thanks for joining us. If you watch this, watching this online, you prayed that prayer, we'd like to help you. Please contact us and uh, we will send something to help you in the decision you've made. God bless you. And thanks, Graham, for sharing the word this morning. God is good. Amen. And uh, we've had a feast today. So walk out with it. Let God lead you in the way you love, the way you live, and the way you think. Amen.
Uh, so uh, tonight at 7 p.m., uh, if you want to uh, join us here. God was showing me early in the week because I thought I had it wrong. And, um, and you know, I woke up this morning and I knew that God was speaking to me. Get in the car, drive in, and we're praying. And I, I just know that I'm supposed to go back to where I dropped the axe, as it were. And then to have Tony just go boom was really, really good. And um, I just want to unpack a little bit about the keys of the kingdom. Um, in Matthew 16, we'll just quickly read a couple of scriptures and then I want to uh, just unpack some things. So let's pick it up in verse 13. Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples and he's <clears throat> it, it comes on down into verse 16 or 15 and uh, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter was really quick to answer and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And then in verse 9, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then in the very next conversation, we come down from verse 21, 22 to 23, and... Um, well, first of all, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took him aside in verse 22, and he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. One of the keys to stepping into kingdom is to actually be mindful of the things of God and not the things of man. And so I want to talk to you um, this morning about the fact of this next piece of scripture in verse 24, when Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I don't know what your understanding around that scripture, take up your cross, is all about, but I want to uh, just read you uh, some notes as I drill down into this because I found it quite interesting. In that verse where it says, Jesus take um, Jesus invites us to take up the cross. He says, Jesus explains the paradox of discipleship. Now, have you got your ears on? It's to lose life, or to lose life is to find it. To die is to live. Let's do that again. 
So Jesus is trying to unpack what he's saying, and he's saying the very foundation of discipleship, you could also say the very foundation of kingdom is to lose your life for another. The very foundation of the kingdom is to lay down your life for another. See, Jesus laid down his life for you and I. So you see it just playing out here. So in his explanation, to take up the cross does not mean to endure some irritating burden. It is to deny oneself. It is not to assume some false external ascension to something or I can't pronounce that word. It is uh, A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M, ascentism or something like that. It's, but to put the interests of the kingdom first and foremost in one's life. That's what it means. When we seek the kingdom of God first, it's actually to put foremost the kingdom of God instead of my own comfort zone could be another way of putting that. To take up the cross does not mean that we endure some irritating burden. What happens when you do things out of duty because by rote you saw it in the word and so you just decide to do it? So the word and the spirit have got to work together. And I like what one of the statements that Tony said earlier today was, we meet so many Christians that are word rich and heart poor. Okay? I want to tell you that I have tried both extremes. When I was first converted, I uh, had a lot to do with the Navigators, real great organisation. And, um, you know, one of their strengths was scripture memory. And um, the Word of God is such a powerful thing. You know, don't just look for the Rema. You know, the Rema, that quickened Word of God is exciting. You know, it's sort of like... Um, adrenaline kind of junkies. We love that sort of stuff, don't we? We love it when the Holy Spirit gets moving and we're carried out of church in a wheelchair or something, you know. In fact, I was reminded about that just the other day when we were out for dinner and somebody said, remember the days, Graham, when you got carried in out of the prayer meeting to the service and we carried you out? And, um, and then some bright spark, whom I did't like for a few hours, said, um, what's changed? What's different today, Graham, than back there? And so one of the things that causes us to lose the first love, which Kim was talking about last week, is that we do not use the keys of the kingdom that we've been given because we get a little lazy or we, get, we, we just get busy in life maybe or we, we just forget to do the foundational things that cause us to walk in kingdom. You know, this last week for me, it's like God has been a million miles away. Now, I know in my heart that he's not a million miles away. 
It's been like the heavens of brass and I'm not hearing you. Here I am spending hours in preparation for the weekend because I just love to, I believe that anointing falls on preparation. And so, you know, we have a mindset of what preparation looks like. Well, the Lord turned that bucket upside down. In fact, he came along and kicked it and smashed it to bits and I'm left with not having ever experienced this sort of thing before when the heavens are so like brass and he doesn't feel like he's around. But I know from my past experience, because of his faithfulness, he is always there. Because, you see, what's happening is that now I am embracing a kingdom principle that God is faithful, choosing to have that as the primary over the way I feel. And Tony talked about that this morning. You know, the primary thing in kingdom is love. You know, we don't pick up our stones and stone our rebellious kids because love is a higher thing. You know, God is forever merciful. He's long-suffering. I mean, he is so long-suffering. To put up with me for nearly 70 years, he's got to be long-suffering. Amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, some of my friendships, you know, I've known Tony for 20, 25 years. I mean, putting up with him, no. <laughs> but, you know, there are times in relationships when relationships are tested. There's times in your relationship with Christ where your relationship is tested. And we should learn to rejoice in those things. So coming back to the scripture I, as a good, young, zealous Christian, started to memorize scripture. At one point, I knew 1,500 verses, I'd, and I was learning more every over a week or two weeks, but I was reviewing. It took me two week, just over two weeks to review the 1,500 that I knew, 100 every day, and learning more. And it became a source of pride. Young Christian, you know, and you know, very strong in the word, navigators and, and um, great stuff, but not a lot of heart for me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be strong in the word because you should be, but you've got to have both the word and the heart. And so I had an answer for every problem you ever faced because I could pull a scripture out. And I was so zealous about it that I would stand on the door of the church supposed to be welcoming people in and the first question is, is I'm checking to see if they've been born again according to the scriptures that I memorized can you imagine what that would have felt real welcoming eh? it was really interesting because the following week the second week that I did it the ones that came through that door were coming through the other door so I just the third week swapped doors I was just so jealous about being so right and making sure that you were saved. I've, you know, and, and, you know, zealousness is a good trait, but when it's not under the Lordship of Christ, it's not a good trait. When it's not kingdom-minded, it's not a good trait. Paul knew the letter of the law and he went around and he killed off the new Christians, for goodness sake. He was zealous for God and thought he was doing God's stuff. And so there's this battle that goes on between the flesh, which is the soul realm, mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit. And we don't get it right all the time. 
I've come to learn that just because I think God is telling me something doesn't mean to say it's God. It's true. I can remember one time going to minister in the, uh, in, in the rock it was, in, um, down in the hut, you know, that church up on the hill. And um, we were coming uh, from Danny Burke to do this ministry thing for the weekend. And we're driving down the hill. And you know where the Newlands turn-off is? I was absolutely certain that we'd missed the turn-off to the church. And Lynn said, no, no, it's not. It's the next one. I said, no, no, I, God showed me. And I was convinced that God showed me that it was that road that I should go down because that's the road to the church. I get down to the bottom and I look up and there's the name of the rock on the building. See, you've got to cut yourself some slack and stop taking yourself so seriously because you don't always get it right. Just because you see something in the spirit, it's mixed with flesh and spirit. I would like to tell you that it is pure spirit all the time, and it's not. Now, occasionally you'll hit the nail on the head, and it'll be more spirit than flesh. But we minister in part. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that you don't give up when things don't seem to go right. You don't give up when you don't get an answer to prayer. I was thinking about those uh, prayer requests we had up on the wall. Have, have you still got them somewhere? No? Oh, well, that's good. Because I was going to just use that as an example, and I th thought they were still up there, you see, and I got it wrong. You know, I thought, you see what I mean? It's just we've just got to relax and have some fun and stop being so letter of the lawish about things. One of the reasons why I have a love-hate relationship with the prophetic is because it does so much good, can do so much damage, and sometimes it gets ugly. And it's not that it's God's fault that it gets like that. It's my fault and flow and my interpretation. If I get so dogmatic that I should be prophesying in a meeting because God's telling me to prophesy and the pastor's going, I mean, I've had this experience going, nah, you just cut across the spirit, and people get offended when the pastor's trying to encourage them to learn how to flow in the Holy Ghost, that's the flesh rising up. You know, and I use the prophetic for it, uh, uh, an example because I'm prophetic myself, and I've had so many times put my foot in the mouth, especially as a young Christian. And so, you know, we've got to understand that, and you know, I believe that if we take responsible for judging ourselves, the judgment that comes when we stand before God is a little less because I think it's the Holy Spirit that causes us to be actually open and honest about what is flowing out of our hearts. So I'm not looking for correction for you that's sitting next to me in the pew. When I hear the sermon and I hear the Word of God, I'm always going, I'm the subject here because I'm sitting under this Word. And so what does it mean for us to walk in the Spirit, to embrace, to begin to walk in kingdom? It's not fruit loopy. It's, it's really, really simple. It's just choosing as a priority the kingdom principles over what you feel. Like this week, it has been hard, you know. I've, I... Um, it's been good, don't get me wrong, so please don't feel sorry for me. It's been a great week, but it's been a hard week. You have times like that. And, and, but what I did, because I know my God is faithful, which is a kingdom principle, 
was I kept walking. I didn't stop praying. I didn't stop reading the Word. I didn't stop hanging out with Jesus. I didn't stop trusting Him, although I came close to it by about, that sounds bad, but it's not really bad. I just, you know, I, Friday night I, I, I was walking away from what I believe God wanted to share, not out of rebellion, but I just wanted, I wasn't, I didn't think I was hearing right. I nearly stayed up all night on Saturday, last night, just to get a word. Now, one of the things that God has taught me through my many years He doesn't want me to do that because if I'm in relationship with him, I can hear him when he gives me a picture, he gives me a sense of direction. What is important that I am in the word as a lifestyle. What is important is that I'm in my prayer closet as a lifestyle. What's important, see, that's kingdom. That's the key to the kingdom is consistency and the basics will cause you to walk in the kingdom. It's really, really that simple. And so instead of being discouraged when our prayers are unanswered, it is more important that we keep praying. But you have to make a choice. You see, walking in the Spirit is all about choice. You choose to embrace what kingdom says, what the Word says over and above what you feel. Well, I've been praying for this for 20 years and I still haven't got an answer. That's soul. It might be reality, but if you let that drive you, it'll rob you of kingdom. It'll rob you to the point. It's like leaven in a bread. You know, leaven makes bread rise up, doesn't it? If you let that be your driving force in you, that doubt, oh, what's the use of praying? You know, I've been praying for that, and I just give, give up. You just get disheartened. But our hope is in Christ, who is faithful, and he hears us when we pray. Now, there are some times when I have no intellectual understanding of why. I don't even go there. I have learned that my heavenly Father is faithful, kingdom principle. He is the rock-solid ground on which I stand. So doing the basics, you know, when I started to think about keys to the kingdom, what do keys do? Yeah, unlock things, don't they? What did Jesus do when he stood up in the temple to start his ministry? He said, I've come to unlock the prison doors, to set the captives free, to cause the blind to see. We might not be in physical prisons, but do you know that unforgiveness is a prison? Doubt is a prison? Fear is a prison? Lack of confidence is a prison? Starting to go, God, you know, why aren't you answering my prayer? I've been praying. I I remember a time when we had a Christmas from hell, and we were, all the family was gathering, and um, you know, we've, we've got uh, one girl in particular that um, through a lot of different circumstances is, is not walking with the Lord and um, had some bad experiences, won't go into that. 
But she also had a problem at that point with drinking too much if she got on the plonk and went to parties, you see. So we arrive up there and we're having this Christmas at the elder um, daughter's place and already it's one o'clock in the morning and the beer's out and that because some of their husbands are dairy farmers, they like to drink. Not all dairy farmers like to drink, but, you know, just quickly, that was the environment. And my heart sunk because I knew that this, we'll call this daughter that I'm talking about, Mary, it's not a real name. I knew that Mary would be right into it and then by the time four o'clock, five o'clock around, she'd be half cut and I just knew how that stuff went. And anyway, sure enough, it started to pop out. And we had uh, our mum and dads there. And, you know, it was a big family gathering. And some are Christians, some are not. It's an always interesting dynamics. And anyway, my brother-in-law was sitting next to me. And we were sitting in the lounge. And next minute, you know, there's some arguments going on outside. And my eldest daughter comes in and says, Dad, you've got to fix this. Always when there's trouble, Dad's got to fix it, you know. And I looked at her and I said, honey, um, just give me a moment. I just want to hang out and pray in the midst of the business. And she looked at me sideways and she knew what I meant and she, off she goes. Next minute, Mary comes in. And what had happened was that some mates of hers back in Dannyburg had rung her up to say they were having a party and she wanted to go back. But the trouble is she couldn't drive. It was a three-hour drive back from where we were. This is a classic example of what Kingdom does. And, and so, you know, my son was not going to let her sister or his sister drive and get a ticket and be done for drunken driving. And he even threatened to slip the tyre so she couldn't drive, you know. And so there's this thing going on. And then my helpful mother-in-law started to chip in, and she wasn't that helpful, and that didn't help things either. And, and you know, and so all of this is going on, and I'm going, as I'm sitting next to my brother-in-law, who's just had a bad experience with the church that he was pastoring and grizzling to me about his daughters not respecting him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the last thing I wanted to hear. I kind of wanted to haul off and give him the five-fold ministry at that point, you know, because he ought to have known better. There was a reason why his daughters weren't respecting him, but I wasn't going to go there as much as I wanted to. And anyway, Mary came in, and she was in the lounge getting ready to go because she was going to go, and I think... Nathan was probably out looking for a knife to cut a tire so she couldn't go. And I said, so I said, hey, how would it be if mum drove you home and took you back? And she turned around in that moment and she said, would you do that for me? She was blown away by the fact that we would do something like that. See, I could think of all the reasons why I was justified to go in and sort it out from an earthly perspective rather than a kingdom perspective. But because I was willing to wait and not be so zealous and so uh, like the scripture memory stuff, I've got the answer and this is what you know. God was able to minister in that situation. I remember going out the door and um, I was behind Lynn. She went off with Mary in the car and started driving, and I, I was going to catch up with him. It was a wet night. And, and I was feeling pretty grumpy at the Lord, you know, because I'd prayed for nearly 15 years at that point for God to do something. 
my father-in-law had prayed for the family for years before then. So I, at that point, was feeling pretty sorry for myself. And I walked past the door, and my son, he, I mean, none of our kids deny God. You know, as soon as there's trouble, it's always, will you pray, please? Because they've seen incredible answers when we've prayed with their friends, you know. Babies that were about to be aborted didn't get aborted and ended up full term. That, you know, that sort of crazy stuff. And they're the first to defend God when somebody starts to say that God isn't real. I, you, you know, how does that work? And, and so I walk out and here's my son preaching to my brother-in-law's two daughters about no sex before marriage, no drugs before marriage, and you shouldn't touch alcohol. And I looked at him and he turned to me and he said, don't you look at me like that, Dad. He says, I know that look. And I didn't really understand what I was doing. And, you know, and it sort of shocked me. And, and um, he said, I always preach best when I'm half cut. And I'm going, I beg your pardon? You can't do that. You can't even say that. God will just shoot you down in a ball of flame. You know? And, and it doesn't make it right what was happening. But you see, life is like that. We have to negotiate all this noise around us. And look at the noise that's around us now with this. I'm not even going to mention the word. It's not worth a mention. You find that place of peace because that's a kingdom principle. You want to walk in kingdom. I want to walk in kingdom. I, I think, Tony, you mentioned it again this morning in that prayer. I want to be the best representative of God that I can be. I do. I want to be the brightest light bulb on the planet. I want to be the saltiest person that's in the kingdom. But it doesn't come out about by overzealousness from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. Because if you do it from the outside, I'm telling you, when the pressure comes, the wheels are going to fall off. And you know what? The relationships that you want to have and get close to, you end up pushing people away. And then you blame everybody else and you blame the church. But it's not the church's fault. It's because we're not allowing God to circumcise my heart. That's what happens. And that's what this thing is about. You know, you can, you can be so overzealous that people get turned off. You know, but I tell you what, I'm real zealous when the Holy Spirit is motivating it. You know, I love giving up a shout, but I'm, I'm not noisy just to try to whip it up. You know, some of, I remember some of the moments and, and the shouts that we've had. And they just go on and on and on. They're not motivated by emotion. There's something that the Holy Spirit is doing in that meeting and God's come in and people are encountering him. It's, it's incredible. And we've got to learn to walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh because when we walk in the flesh out of our soul and we try to do our faith and our, our spiritual uh, walk with God and walk out our faith out of the soul, it gets us into trouble. You know, you say things out of that place that you shouldn't say. And when you're a leader of great influence... And leaders begin, and we've seen that. Without mentioning any names, there's been some stupid things that have been said over this blimmin' 
thing that's not worth a mention. I'm going to be dead in two and a half years because I took the vaccine. I can't wait for the two and a half years to be up because I'm calling that guy to account because he is an influencer in this nation. He's pretending to operate as a prophet. I'll give him profit because I know I won't be dead in two and a half. Now, I am not pro I'm not saying you should get vaxxed. Don't go out of here saying that. I'm happy if you're not. Okay? I just got it because I thought I was doing the right thing. Whether I did or not, I wouldn't have a clue. But, you know, God will look after me because I stepped out in faith. And faith, my faith step out doesn't always look like the same as yours. Why? Because we're, we're learning to journey in this thing between flesh and spirit. And for us to get in and to embrace kingdom so that kingdom is our culture. Because that's what it's about. Jesus wants us to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And so the minute we get saved, the minute we give our lives to Jesus, we actually step out of one world into another. And so I want to be more like Jesus. I know it's probably a big ask, but it's not impossible for God. But it's, see, it's all about the heart. It's not about the head. It's all about relationship. It's not about knowing about God. It's about knowing him. And there is no amount of things that I can do in my own efforts, in my own strength, in my own understanding that really helps a lot in me knowing him heart to heart because it gets in the way. It's not wrong. We need to, I need to understand some stuff, you know, and, and I'm not saying chuck away your intellect, chuck away your soul, but don't walk your faith out of your soul. Learn to walk by the Spirit. Why? Romans, turn with me to Romans 8. Jesus said an interesting thing. The way that I weigh things up me, if you like, discern what spirit is operating, or you could say judgment, because you've got to be careful in the judgments that you make about things, God will use that same measuring stick for us, for me, for you. And, and so it's a, for me, I'm looking for the fruit. Jesus said, you know something by fruit. And so I know something, you know, somebody overzealously cuts, continuously cuts across the spirit, for example, in a meeting, I know it because it's the fruit. If I have a relationship with him, and if I feel, or her, if I feel like I need to go and talk with him, part of kingdom is also learning to speak the truth in love. It's not beating people up. You know? That, that, that one act of taking Mary back three hours drive and then another three hours from where she lived to Wellington, six hours on the road that night. We didn't get home till the early hours of the morning. But you know, on the way home, after we dropped her off and I got in the car, I looked at Lynn and I said, how's your Christmas been? And she says, oh, it's been a Christmas from hell. I said, yeah, you got that right. But then she began to tell me about how Mary was talking to her. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when people don't know Jesus and they get half cut, they start to open up. And she opened up, and she 
spoke of five situations where she knows that she's only alive because mum and dad are praying. That was worth the hellish day to hear that. And I know that even while she's not, she, she hasn't denied God, she sticks up for him. But there's a day coming when she will come back, the prodigal will come home. And I'm not going to give up. See, kingdom never, ever gives up. I'm, am I trying to get her saved by my own efforts? No. No, I'm not. I am trying to walk as a good ambassador of Christ. I'm trying to walk so that she can see Jesus in me. I don't always get it right. But kingdom, when you don't get it right, is quick to apologize, quick to say, hey, I messed that up, sorry. I put my phone in my mouth, sorry. I mean, because we all do. We all, the wheels fall off. It's pretty, pretty common. And it's the heart attitude. And it's as simple as this in Romans 8. I, I, I just love, it's one of my favorite pieces of scripture. But there's a couple of things I want to point out. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Real interesting scriptures. So, you know, as it was a struggle for me this week in in the sense that it was a test of faith for me, not that I would deny God or anything, but because I couldn't hear him, I couldn't feel him, but I relied on what kingdom said. Because I look back and I go, my God is so faithful. And you can all say, my God is so faithful because you've all had experience, because you've all got a relationship with Jesus Christ. So kingdom is not impossible to step into and to live out of but it has to be spiritually driven. It's the Holy Spirit that actually changes our hearts. I, can't, I, I can look good on the outside, but when I get under pressure, if, if it's an outward thing and my self-discipline, the, the wheels will fall off it because it's always an issue of the heart. It's always an issue of the heart. How do I know that? Because I know that as a young Christian, I should give up swearing, but my dogs didn't know any other language when I was still mustering, you see. And I knew that I should give up swearing. And I tried, because I knew, I knew, I read it in the Word, you know. But every time one of my young hunterways would bolt, it all fell off. It went to pieces. And one day I was up in the heights, and the neighbours were down on their farm. I was near the boundary fence, pushing lambs across the creek. And next minute I just explode because old dude just ended up mustering three other paddocks when I only wanted them to muster one. And I was trying to, he was too far away for my shaking dogs to get a hold of him. And so I had to chase after him and the language was flying. This couple that was trying to get uh, lambs across the creek, we were trying to minister to them. We'd had them in our homes for a meal, you know, and we were doing the good navigator thing and evangelizing and, and, and then Lynn's in town and she meets this guy's wife and says, oh, 
It was so good to hear Graham having trouble the other day when we were crossing. My witness kind of lost a little bit of its impact, you know. But the grace of God was sufficient for me. I use that as the example of when you try to do it by your self-discipline and you try to do it by rote, like I like, I like to call it by rote, and you come in and, and, and you know, a lot of people want to look good in people's eyes because their self-worth is based on how people perceive them. And at the bottom of that is low self-esteem usually because it comes out of the inability to relate to a heavenly father that is so loving. See, I used to run away when I thought I'd done something wrong. Like in that situation, I probably didn't go to church for six to eight weeks because everybody would have heard it because the town we lived in was a small town. You know, why would God be interested in me? I just stuffed up again. But that mindset is not a kingdom mindset. It's a mindset of the enemy. It's a mindset of the flesh. You see, I started to think that way because in that moment, I was starting to look and review that situation from the realm of the soul, not the realm of the spirit, which is the foundational key that unlocks the kingdom of God. See, I dream of you and me being so full of Jesus that you don't even have to tell anybody. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't take the opportunities when you get them. But do you know something? I love it when you walk into a shop and you guys must have had this happen at times and they go, somebody says to you, what is it about you? You must have had that. I love it. I want to learn to live out of it. Because it opens up doors that are so powerful and so unreligious to minister the love of God, and it's love and kindness that lead to repentance. Makes sense? So I want to encourage you today, do not give up. Have the courage to admit the weaknesses that you have. This, what I call the screw-ups. Be honest about it. And say, God, you know, my, one of my favorite prayers, well, there's a couple, but one in particular is, Lord, let me see my world through your eyes. Because that's what he did when he sent Jesus to die. He saw the potential of the kingdom. You know, when, when you look through kingdom filters, you're looking through God's eyes. And it's much harder for me to do and try to be a good Christian and a good representative of Jesus by my efforts, by my works. I've learned to surrender to the Lord and go, God, I'm guilty as charged, but I thank you that you will create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. It's the Holy Spirit working in you that changes your heart and my heart. Just think of a company of people like this so full of the presence. See, the presence is just, it's just not presence. There's, you know, in the old model of the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, that's where God lived. Do you know where God lives now, don't you? Doesn't he live in you? <laughs> just imagine if he lived in us so full 
of the expression of kingdom coming out of our lives, what that would do in this community. It comes with right relationship. And right relationship is not about keeping a set of rules. It's not about keeping the law. It's about learning to love as the Father loved. And I need help to do that because if I try to do it outwardly and put on a good show for everybody, but in the secret place where nobody sees me, I'm a mess in that area, it ain't going to work. I'm not going to get higher, what I call higher up the mountain. I want to be up the mountain where Moses is, and I want to be a friend of God. I want to see God face to face. In fact, I ask the Lord regularly to teach me how to commune and relate with him the way Enoch walked with him. I am not asking for an Enoch experience because I believe that if I ask for that, it has an agenda behind it. I just want to know God. Because when a people know their God and kingdom is so strong in them that it is oozing out of them, not by what they say they are, but by the way they live and, the, and what they do, people want to come and see. And I'm looking again for the day when we have strangers turning up at the door because the king lives in here. And when we corporately come together, the king lives in Amen? Let's stand. I'd like us to just take a moment. Just let's close our eyes and just reflect for a moment on what we've heard. And, and my prayer is that anything that wasn't of the Lord, I just want him to remove it from you. But that which was him, I'm asking that it would take root in you today and that it would grow into trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. I just know, and you can take this as a prophetic word if you like, that if you and I as part of this community and as part of this church, continue to walk the way we are walking, kingdom is going to grow in you. Kingdom is going to grow in us. I am looking for another suddenly. I make no apology for that, but I am not trying to make it happen. I know that as I position myself and to position us or you to position me is to let go of law and legalism, to let go of flesh and learn to walk in the Spirit. And the best way I know to do that is to say, Holy Spirit, will you teach me? Because Jesus ascended to heaven and he says, hey, I'm sending somebody back so you won't be alone. The Holy Spirit is the act of God, part of the Godhead in this age right now on earth. Jesus is active too. But the Holy Spirit, you know, ask him to help because the, it says, you know, young Timothy, Paul was exhorting young Timothy, you've got the Holy Spirit, bro, and he's the best teacher that you could have, and he will teach you in the ways of God. He'll direct you, and he'll correct you, and he'll guide you, and he'll lead you. And it's as simple as asking the Holy Spirit, whatever it takes, whatever is needed for you to change my heart, I want you to do it. I yield my will to yours. And that prayer that we've been praying, 
Lord, I want you to be king in my life. I don't want to be the king. I don't want to be driven by self. I want to learn what it is, Lord, to take up my cross daily and follow you. And the cross speaks of us laying our will down for his. It's the same deal as Jesus in Gethsemane when he said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. The meaning of Gethsemane, if you don't know it, is actually wine press. Grapes are squashed and pressured and the wine flows. And when we're tested and we're tried and we wrestle between flesh and spirit and we choose the spirit, that's like we've been in a wine press and kingdom flows. Why don't you lead us, Tony, in that prayer about the king? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's... Uh Just giving our life to the King again. And uh, let me just lead you in this. Let's all pray it together. Dear Jesus, today I choose you to be King of my life. No longer me as King. Today I want to live for you and your kingdom. I turn from king self and repent. I want to be baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. I choose today to love and live as you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, here we are. Help us to not think as man thinks, but help us to think as you think, that we would align our thoughts with your thoughts, your ways with our ways, Lord, that we would decrease and you would increase, and that you would rule and reign in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just place your hand over your head now. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father change, my thoughts change my thoughts to be your thoughts. To be your thoughts. Help, me to Help me to think your thoughts. Help me to win the battle, Help me win the battle between, your thoughts and mine. between your thoughts and mine. That you would have your way. You have your, way. your thoughts would dominate. Amen. Your thoughts would be in full control. Now, Father, I thank you right now for what you're doing here in this place. I pray, Lord, for those, for every one of us, Lord, at times our thoughts get in the way. And, Father, we want to say no to that, but say yes to you. Let us not think as man thinks, but think as you think. We thank you for the word that's been received today. Father, help us to walk it out in the spirit of love in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great word. Thanks for joining us. If you watch this, watching this online, you prayed that prayer, we'd like to help you. Please contact us and uh, we will send something to help you in the decision you've made. God bless you. And thanks, Graham, for sharing the word this morning. God is good. Amen. And uh, Lord, we've had a feast today.
So walk out with it. Let God lead you in the way you love, the way you live, and the way you think. Amen. Uh, so uh, tonight at 7 p.m., uh, if you want to uh, join us here, 